Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Wednesday the 6th of April. Today I'm joined by Agata Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Agatha. Hi, thank you, Peter. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Um, I'm still reeling from the shock of the story that I'm going to uh, say after yours. Um, and, and I think everyone is going to uh, understand why uh, when I talk about it. But first of all, uh, what is your what is the story you like the most from today's Watson's Daily? Um, so the General Motors and Honda. Yep. Um, about their collaboration where they mm. want to develop millions of affordable electric vehicles. Yep. Um, and I think they actually might be onto something and be able to provide them to a general public. Yep. Um, they have developed jointly, um, uh, so uh, mostly functioning in North America and China. Yep. And they want to start producing in um, 2027, mm-hmm. where they try to use a new production system but mm-hmm. it is not like a complete new invention. It is something mm-hmm. that is basing on General Motors um, battery technology. So yeah. they will actually try to collaborate using both of their system, which yeah. will go into kind of process of standardization. And yeah. obviously it will lead to keeping the costs low, which yeah. might be a way of achieving the goal, which is yeah. going lower than... Yeah. already the cheapest general motors electric car yeah. which is currently built at thirty thousand yeah. dollars i mean that's the thing isn't it that's the key is that it is is to try to make affordable electric vehicles isn't it because i mean i i remember like a while ago on watson's daily um i've forgotten the name of the 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 uh study but there was a study done and saying that you know, every uh, lots of people would of would um, consider buying an electric vehicle if it was priced at under twenty thousand pounds, but most yeah. most of them are not. So mm-hmm. this is this is. I mean, like you say, I mean, this is this is an important uh, new you know development here that they are that GM and Honda are specifically going for the budget end aren't they Mm -hmm. yeah and also they're trying to make sure that you can actually drive somewhere so it's not longer just a city car yeah and they aim for (laughs) at least 400 miles in one charging which seems like a fair distance yeah Um, i mean i suppose they must i suppose with something like that they've got to make it really really super light haven't they because i i don't know the way you said it's like 400 miles is quite quite a decent distance for evs at the moment and i suppose and the the battery's really heavy so i don't know maybe that maybe they made a top bit of tin or something <laughs> i don't know hopefully you will be able to pull that off <laughs> <laughs> or maybe 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 wood maybe really thin wood anyway sorry carry on i mean whatever it is i'm really hoping that it will actually come to an end as it seemed like a dream coming true for many people oh yeah um and the second thing is that they want to make the technology like available to 
other companies as well. Mm -hmm. So they all really want to make sure that the cost will go down as much as possible in different sectors. Mm. And this is similar to um, earlier actions of uh, Tesla, who mm -hmm. also does like open source programs. Mm. Uh, and I think it's really interesting to see how it looks like. Um, and they have those uh, little programs uh, which they're trying to export and other companies can look at them. So they try to use that in different embedded systems. Mm. Mm. And yeah, with all that in mind, if we're all going to have um, really similar systems, it might be easier for people to switch from one company to another. So mm. they will definitely have to look for other things to become their competitive advantage in this field. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's the field to show off and maybe change their pricing. And mm. the other exteriors, we'll see what's going to happen here. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is amazing, isn't it, really? Um, I mean, I, I would say in terms of background for for some listeners is that um generally what has been happening over the last few years i'd say last three to five years perhaps is that um emissions regulations have been getting much stricter so generally speaking as a uh what what the the um they will look at is the emissions across the range of um, electric vehicles that that uh, a manufacturer sells take that average and if that average is above a previously stated um, amount then they then the fines are absolutely enormous um, and so I mean it's like a fine per day you know it, it, it accumulates uh, and so I think of the you know say from a few years ago um, car sales um, were weakening and um, and then you had this regulation coming along, which meant that research and development costs were going to go higher. Then after that, once that happened, um, we then, you know, then we started to see a lot of joint ventures, um, uh, acquisitions, you know, sometimes fully fledged acquisitions of car companies i mean i reckon for instance the stellantis thing yeah. um happened partly because they want to pool resources for uh, electric vehicles and things um so it you know there's joint ventures either they like geographic joint ventures like um you know the, the um two companies making cars in spain or something for the european market um or, uh, you know, so they're geographic joint ventures or specific model joint ventures. Um, and those have been coming out over the last few years. And I think, you know, this is just one of those latest, uh, one of those latest ones. Um, and, uh, you know, the reason why they have to do this is because the research and development costs are so high. So if you can share the, share the burden with another company on the same kind of thing, then it just makes it easier for everyone. And then if their costs go down, that means that the selling costs can go down. And if the selling cost goes down, more people will buy the car. Yeah. And that's also, I think, uh, with companies who are not really into manufacturing cars, but are slowly getting into it. 
Mm. Um, so some tech companies and e-commerce companies are creating um, joint ventures with companies who are already established in car manufacturing. Yeah. An example of that would be Alibaba, which mm -hmm. has enormous resources and has created a venture with Saic. And now they want to um, provide a car which will actually be going out at the next of like at the end of April mm. so that's really soon and we're going to see how it actually turns out as mm. this is something interesting especially that it's like um Chinese market mm. and the other companies are also looking at North America and China that's our mm. two main regions where they're currently focusing on mm. um so we're going to see how their car is going to look like because the first one they're producing is at the 57 euro, uh, 57,000 euros price point, which yeah. isn't too much in comparison to like first Tesla models or yeah. other strictly, um, strictly electric vehicles uh, mm. companies. So that might be interesting because all of that combined obviously leads to a conclusion that we have like those lower uh, prices and maybe with that in mind we'll be able to actually produce uh, and buy those cars yeah. as a typical consumer yeah definitely that's what it needs but definitely i mean that's that's the general thing isn't it that the selling price needs to come down um and i mean although for instance uh, you know elsewhere in today's um, watson's daily i talk about how uh, the latest figures show that um, uh, sales of electric cars have been stronger. Um, you know, I, I do think that it's a limit. It's a relatively limited market in the sense that um, I think you, you've got to be pretty well off to, yeah. to buy an electric car. You can't. The prices are at this price point. There's mm. no way there's going to be the main way of commuting with electric vehicles. Mm. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, so they are, they are still, pretty, I'd say for most people, they're still pretty expensive. And I would also, I would also add, by the way, that um, I, I do think that a lot of households, given what's happened over the last year or so with oil prices and electricity prices and all this kind of thing, I would have thought that the affluent households are more generally going to have one petrol car and one electric you know electric one you yeah, know the maybe actually hybrid cars are the future and not really just electric ones well no that's true but then um i, I remember a, a, a number of um episodes ago on this podcast i don't know if you remember but there was um uh one was a listener who um who actually sent me a message saying i disagree with what you oh, say about electric oh, vehicles I remember that. yeah 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 and I mean, I mean, he, you know, he's a great guy, actually. Um, and uh, I, I mean, he, he is also very unusual in that he has three, right? So um, I think it was something like he's got a Model X. Uh, his, his nanny's got a, 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 a Nissan Leaf, which he, um, you know, that he bought like in 2014 or something. And then his wife has got a Jaguar. Uh, is it X X pace I pace uh, I pace maybe something anyway. So I mean you know he is an, I would say he's an extreme example of both someone that has more than one electric vehicle, but also a clearly a big fan uh, of electric vehicles. But I do think that um, a lot of people here will 
want to have an electric vehicle, but they still will have that range anxiety. And if so, what they might do, uh, I'm thinking, is they might keep their existing vehicle um, as like a reserve or one for going to visit the relatives in far off places. And then they have the electric vehicle for the day to day, like, you know, shopping, dropping the kids okay. off, you know, doing that kind of stuff, uh, which is what most people do most of the time. So, um, so yeah, so I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But um, the overall car sales, though, seem to be quite weak. And I'm thinking that that must be um, new car sales because, uh, you know, secondhand car sales have been doing extremely well. Yeah. It is definitely due to shortages in many raw materials. Mm. So it's not necessarily because people didn't want to buy them. Mm. I would say it's more of this kind of problem. So mm. we probably will see some surge in actually people buying cars in the yeah. future. So well, people are ramping up for that. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, we weirdly, at the moment, I mean, I, I think, again, I, I'm not sure whether I've said this on the podcast, but... Um, you know, I, I, I own a, a um, also our household uh, rather owns um, a kind of, you know, mid mid range, uh, small SUV, mm-hmm. uh, which we got secondhand. I think it's tw- from 2017. I think it is. So, you know, and we keep getting phone calls all the time from the dealer saying, do you want to have a new one? Do you want to have a new one? Do you want to? And we're like, well, no, this is fine. You know, we've, we've you know, we've had this for like two, was it two years now? Um, and so, you know, we're like, this is fine. Um, but they're saying, yeah, but you know, because of the, you can get a better price now because it's worth more, blah, blah. So, I mean, we are actually wondering what to do with it. Although to, to be honest, I, I quite like it. I mean, and yeah. um, I just, you know, I, I guess if it's working and it's doing all right, then, you know, you don't want to do anything with it. But um, but it's interesting, though, I mean, because we've got finance on it for about another year. So we don't we don't you know, it's not due yet, but they they are so keen. Uh, that they're fine. So I mean, I don't know whether other people are fine who listen to this find that as well. But you know, we are getting harassed. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with the cars. People yeah. aren't actually buying a car for a year or half mm. a year. We're buying mm. it usually for like five years, six years, or even longer. Mm. So um, it might be problematic as some people are not really sure how it's going to change. But some mm. people want to make sure that they're actually going to be okay with all of the new restrictions because mm. in five years' time we might not be able to get to the city centre with our Mm. current one. Yeah, fair enough. So there we go. Uh, anyway, um, I better I better go move on um, to the next uh, the next thing, which I was you know obviously gave a massive build up uh, at the beginning of this podcast. Um, so just to put everyone out of their misery, although you might have seen it already in the description, <laughs> let's face it, um, is Sheehan, right? So I think this is astounding. It's now worth a hundred billion dollars. Let's let's just sit there and let that sink in. A hundred billion dollars. That is worth more than Inditex, which is the one that owns Zara, um, and um, H&M combined. I mean, that is absolutely massive. Now, the thing is, it's it's um, you know it, it's got this valuation. It's not quoted, right? So, yeah, it's got this equivalent valuation from its latest fundraising, and so you've got in investors like uh, Sequoia Capital, Tiger Global Management, and General Atlantic, among many others, who are just throwing money at this company because 
it's just going absolutely bonkers. I mean, um, I must say, I'm not a Sheehan, um, uh, you know, shopper, um, but you alerted me to the madness that is the Sheehan website. Um, and it really is, I mean, it's not relaxing, is it? I mean, let's face it. Yeah, you don't... it's definitely eye-catching and trying <laughs> to keep you excited uh, yeah. all the time. I mean, it is, it is an, it's an adrenaline journey, isn't it? Like, literally... You go on it thinking, oh, my, what's going on here? Um, uh, maybe maybe it's just me being old. I don't know. But, I mean, looking at it thinking, gosh, there's so much going on. Um, and, you know, the thing is, this, this $100 billion valuation is absolutely incredible. And you think, well, is it going to keep going? And the thing is, is that, you know, just looking through it and seeing what really is, I have to say, ridiculously low prices. You do think if if Boohoo got in trouble for, you know, underpaying their workers, uh, I would say that this, you know, the scope for underpaying workers who work for Sheehan uh, somewhere along the line is is enormous. I mean, if you're considering these, uh, some of the things that I'm looking at here. And so, I mean, I was just looking at, say, gym stuff. And it really is really, really cheap. I mean, I, I said to you earlier when I was looking through this, there was one, I saw one sort of um, top for like a gym vest top. And it has this this design on it that I think looks very much like Castore, which is, um, very, you know, high end. I mean, I, I don't know because I don't buy Castore. But I mean, I would have thought that, you know like a vest at castore probably cost you like 110 quid or something whereas this cost you the, the princely sum of seven pounds 99 you know and um and i suppose if you don't know and you're looking from a distance i mean it looks the same so um so yeah i mean it's really amazing um i mean i know I mean, you were saying about how they she and often gets in trouble for copyright um because they they really do Oh, sorry, they are really inspired uh, by other brands and branding and things like that. Yeah, but um, the thing is, it's never going to an end. Like, no. um, people are raising claims, but yeah. nothing really happens at the end. So they keep doing it yeah. and gaining money of it. Yeah, it's like calling the caterpillar all over again, isn't it? Like, you know, with the, with the cake thing at, uh, at M&S, but just with clothes. And maybe, I, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe... They just think, actually, if we ignore and just keep going and, and you know, ignore this stuff and keep going, and just keep pumping out, people are just going to lose interest um, because there's just so many um, of these of these, um, uh, you know, this this um, you know, copying of, of or not. Co well, yeah, well, copying of stuff. People are sort of giving approval by still mm. buying a lot. And we can see it with this valuation kind of mm. how it's rising up. Hmm. And yeah, with those people approval, it's kind of hard to go against them. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the thing is, China generally has been trying to move away from copying stuff and, um, you know, knockoff products and things. And actually, Alibaba has got in trouble with it loads of times in the past. Um, it has cleaned its act up. But I have to say, surely seeing, I mean, it's like I say, it's probably going to the other extreme and you know bombarding everyone with these things to the extent that nothing yeah you know they don't get you know they don't get uh fined maybe 
just because there'd be just the fines would be so enormous. So I mean, actually, you know what? As I'm talking about it, I just think if there's any risk at all, any risk, maybe it's that. Maybe it's lawsuits as it gets even more successful. I mean, I suppose if it's smaller, you know, it goes under the radar, but it's so in your face um, and so and now so big that you know, actually, maybe the designers think maybe it is worth going for because maybe they will get some money out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, it is, it's quite shocking, I think. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait because actually some companies try to do like copyright lawsuits with companies mm-hmm. in China and usually they lose it. So yeah, it's not really like it's easy way of winning with um, this kind of trials in China. Mm. And that also is like considered by many brands. So maybe they have actually strong claims in like future with thousands of evidence. Yeah. Then maybe. I, yeah. I, and, and actually, you know what? I mean, you know, with all this, with this, uh, you know, the war that's going on at the moment, and then this whole thing with maybe China, possibly this, disengaging with the west or trying to move away from the west maybe if there's that kind of trend they they won't be quite so bothered with pursuing copyright stuff especially if it comes from outside china you know um so you know maybe this will just carry on and everyone was just going to have to cope with it but they are an amazing company it does you know it's it's clearly growing incredibly quickly um but but yeah i mean it's it looks pretty dangerous i think the only way so the only way it could its momentum could slow is if it gets done for copyright stuff um and then the only way that others could catch up is potentially by you know making that it's their turnarounds in terms of design to shelf even shorter and maybe emphasizing things like quality in-store experience, you know, that kind of thing. But at the moment, Sheehan is absolutely kicking butt uh, as it, as, uh, it, by the looks of things. Yeah, it's definitely one of the biggest one in the market. Everyone mm. is talking about it all mm. the time. It's in the news and social media. You mm. can find it everywhere. And people were talking for a really long time that Zara is like the lead in terms of trends and mm. keeping up with everything. Mm-hmm. But I would say that Shein definitely surpassed it in like mm. a matter of what, like a year when it became like a absolute leader in that. Mm. And that might be sort of scary of how easy it was to overtake it because mm. no one no one was expecting it in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. Uh, well, let's let's um, finish on that on that note today. Um, but yeah, some very interesting topics. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be. Uh, I mean, so well, first of all, thank you um, for your thoughts today, and and also I have to say um, for for making me um, pronounce Sheehan correctly because <laughs> so, I thought, is it Sheehan? Is it Sheehan? Is it Shine? Is it Sheehan? I don't know. Um, so so you it's definitely, definitely shining. Yeah, yeah. There, there we go. Um, and yes, we'll be um, we'll be um, We've been back again tomorrow um, for more. Uh, just to say that I'm not going to be do- we're not going to be doing um, podcasts on Friday because I'm taking my son to hospital for an operation. So uh, we'll be back again though on the weekend um, and next week. So 
so there we go. But anyway, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for thank the you. listeners. Um, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Many thanks. Bye. Bye. Hi there, Agatha. How are you doing today? Hi, Peter. All good. How are you Excellent. doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, so, which story did you find most interesting from today's Watson's Daily? Uh, so, today I wanted to talk about down yeah. and how will it affect the global trade in so many different aspects, as yep. Financial Times claimed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's definitely going on in different aspects. And mm-hmm. first thing is that China actually still sticks to its zero COVID policy, where yeah. most of the countries already dropped it. Uh, best example, Australia, which kept it really long, but then decided to ease it a little bit and more of a live with COVID kind of approach. Yeah. So in China, they still control and they're trying to use suppression and they use all of the contact tracing, mass testing, quarantines mm-hmm. for borders and lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and they imposed it in Shanghai recently, even yeah. though they were 100% sure that it will never happen again and they won't allow it as they thought that it will have like too much of an impact. Yeah. Um, so it's, you can see like how fast, like how fast things are changing. Literally, twenty mm-hmm. sixth of March, we're not doing it. A week mm-hmm. later, one hundred percent lockdown in Shanghai. Um, mm-hmm. So that shows like how much COVID has implication up to this day, even after two years. Like here, we're not really doing uh, lockdowns anymore. Yeah, uh, and we kind of decided to live with COVID and mm-hmm. just accept it as it is doing mm. just a uh, personal quarantines um so that's definitely a change uh, to hear that somewhere they're still in place mm-hmm. um for a second thing is that in shanghai they have almost twenty thousand new cases daily mm-hmm. um seems like a lot for a city but then we're thinking it's a 26 million city. Mm-hmm. So is it actually that much to impose a full lockdown? Mm. Um, personally, I'm not so sure, but what if it's like still under tested and maybe they have way more cases than actually mm. 20,000? That, mm. that is a possibility, especially with uh, China reporting. It mm. might actually be a case. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, with uh, this in mind, uh, we have to see how actually it looks for local people. They're mm. not allowed to move whenever it's not a complete emergency. Yeah. There's no allowance for having deliveries. They they just can't do anything. Mm. We've seen those like um, scary photos from the first lockdown in yeah. China where they yeah. actually like looted the door so people weren't even able to get out. Now yeah, it's yeah fine situation and yeah. they're just getting uh penalties yeah um however still it is really enforced some people went like to prison because of the way how they treated lockdown and their repercussions so yeah uh it is still really severe mm. um and with that the opening shanghai mm. might be again of a situation which already happened 
yeah. basically like um, China had its lockdown before and when it reopened, it was a mess, not only in China, but also in the outside world. They mm. tried to get all of those deliveries uh, out, all of the cargo transport. They weren't able to meet any deadlines and fulfill any contracts. Mm. Um, so maybe reopening Shanghai will be more problematic than actual state of affairs where we just have to wait mm. for some stuff because we accept it and try to look for other sources um, and where we can actually find uh, those raw materials and other stuff we're getting from China rather than thinking, is it going to happen next day? Because it's not looking like it and the lockdown might be actually extended to the provinces which are next to Shanghai as they're working in this local system where actually if there's um, active tracing and people are getting infected by each other, the other provinces are getting under the lockdown as mm. well. Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing for it is how Shanghai is doing one of the most expert in the entire world, uh, especially um, with cargo and ship transport. Mm. The port of Shanghai is one, it's basically the biggest one in terms of uh, how much they actually convey yeah. uh, for over a decade. Now it's like 12 years when yeah. they're top one leader. Mm. Um, and it is really um, interesting to see how it is look, looking on a map of China because mm. uh, the port in Shanghai is um, located in the... Um, delta of Yangtze River and um, all of the transports from which are in from cities which are by the Yangtze River are going through it to Shanghai and all of those um, transportations are currently postponed or trying to go into alternative roads yep. however it's way more difficult and they're not able they don't have that much capacity to actually <laughs> move it to those places yeah. which means that loads of things are postponed and here we have to look at what exactly is postponed things like coal metal ores petroleum products steel yeah. machinery and equipment yeah. so many construction works are getting stopped not only in china but outside so even though in europe we're trying to have this approach like oh, we're easing everything. Most of the countries are easing completely lockdown restriction in May or June, mm. and now they're having almost none or just not severe ones. Mm. We won't be really going back with our full economy growth, which would be possible with that, because we have to wait for certain raw materials and equipment from China. And there's no other country right now which would be able uh to provide it and uh with that in mind i would also like to link it with our current global problem uh where we have um russian ukrainian war mm -hmm. and china might have been the only country which actually is big enough would be and would be able to um help russia mm -hmm. uh, with um deliveries of different items and raw materials um, with their lockdowns and current situation, even though they might have thought that they will actually help. 
they can be stopped and mm. not really able to help them in any way, mm. which can put a conflict into perspective and some actions might be changed due to it. Mm. So I'd say that small, in theory, small lockdown of one city mm -hmm. will have a huge implication, not only like in this week or so, but I would say it's going to be over a longer period, probably till summer, because this whole suppression will take time to actually go back to normal measures. Mm. I mean, I think I agree with you there. I mean, I, you know, I think you've made a lot of excellent points there. Um, I think we'll just take the most recent one first. I mean, when we, we've seen um, what happens when ports are disrupted, um, most, re you know, so, I mean, there was the, obviously there was the, the Suez blockage, which God seems like 10 years ago now, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, and the problem was with that was it meant that, um, you know, the wrong ships were in the wrong place and the wrong stuff was in the wrong place. And it took ages for it to actually, it, although that blockage went on for about a week, um, it took months for it to get back to normal again. So clearly we don't know at the moment, at the, we, ju we, we don't realise at the moment um, what is actually going on um, in terms of... Um, uh, we, you know, we don't know. We don't know what's what the case is going to be in future uh, about this. Um, because... Even the obstruction last year, which yeah. was like just like a few days, I think it yeah. was like just under a week. Mm -hmm. It had like a severe com uh, com um, consequences. Yeah, like the blockage of Suez Canal when the ship was slightly <laughs> moved to a side and didn't mm. fit into it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's the thing. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. So. Um, you know, there's this blockade. If it goes on for a very long time, that will have very serious implications. The other thing as well is I do think that with, with regard to Shanghai, um, obviously, yes, the world's biggest port. Um, also, China is, I guess, um, you know, fr um, Russia's best friend at the moment. And although, obviously, China is supporting um, uh, Russia, you know, generally, um, in a in a way, you could say that this what this might do, uh, depending on how much stuff they they get from Shanghai to um, uh, to Russia, um, is that this is in effect a, a, a kind of sanction, really. You know, because obviously lots of um, companies and governments are cutting uh, uh, Russia out of things. Uh, in effect, this, the effect of this, although this isn't a sanction in itself. The effect of it could be quite, you know, similarly or similarly disruptive. So, um, it, you know, I think it will have implications on Russia. Um, I think that it will have, but it will have much broader implications as well. And I don't think that we're going to know that and for the, until another week or so, because I don't know how, you know, where everything is and if it's if it's across the board, all the stuff that is stuck there, um, or whether it's a specific types of machinery or something like that but you know i mean it's not great um the other thing as well is it really does sound really serious i mean but this, this is the thing isn't it i mean people companies are asking their staff to stay in their uh offices so they're sleeping in their offices um i mean this is extreme you know extreme stuff um and uh, this is the worst covid outbreak 
um, since the initial one in Wuhan. So, I mean, that that's the thing. Just to put it into context, it is very serious. Plus, it will have um, global implications. At the moment, it seems to have local implications, but I would argue it will have implications on Russia, but also ultimately it will uh, on the rest of the world, especially if it goes on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I would say not even long time, but if it goes for two weeks, three mm-hmm. weeks, mm-hmm. that's really long time for a port to be blocked. Yeah, exactly. Especially, well, especially that one. <laughs> especially <laughs> yeah, that definitely. one, yeah. So, yes. But, um, but there you go. So, um, well, well, I guess we'll move on to um, the story I, I'm, um, you know, I, I picked out for today, which is all about cars, uh, and in the UK, and specifically secondhand cars. So um, it's really all about whether the, you know, so the, the, I suppose the question here is, are oh, what is going to happen with car uh, used car prices? Because the story in here is talking about Lookers, which is a big car dealership in the UK. Mm-hmm. They are pointing out that the company has, um, so they've they've made up for all their losses uh, that they had in 2020. Um, they had record um, results last year. They are bullish about um, the prospects from now on. Uh, and they say that they feel that um, the lack of new cars is going to keep the prices of used cars supported. So they're quite relaxed about things going forward. Now, in my in my opinion, um, I think that they are like the um, uh, companies like TUI and uh, uh, airlines like Ryanair and things. I think they're being too optimistic about the prospects for the rest of the year. Um, the reason why is because I feel that um, is is that I feel that we're only just starting to pay these much higher prices for food, for energy bills for all this kind of thing. So we're just starting to do it and we're already thinking, oh, this is expensive. This hurts. Um, Once give that another three, four, five months, I think that the picture is going to look quite different and people are just going to be reigning in the spending. Um, And as a result of that, I think generally speaking, your, um, uh, your biggest out, uh, your biggest, um, uh, outlays in terms of money tends to be property and then it's car is is the next is usually the next thing for most people and i think that uh, i mean a property you know is you need that and obviously everyone will spend a lot of time thinking about it um a vehicle is if you've not already got one obviously you, you need one but if you've already got one i think that the i really think that the temptation or the tendency here is going to be that people just keep their existing vehicle and keep it for longer and i'm sure i've said this quite a a few times recently that my my fear on the car front is that people are going to go well i'd like to buy an electric vehicle i don't think there are enough charges so and they are expensive so I'm thinking of oh we'll wait until they come become cheaper and that when there are more charges, mm-hmm. and so in the interim I'm not going to buy anything else I'm just going to stick with what I've got, and I think the risk there is is that people will stick with with what they've got, there won't be that many cars going onto the onto the market, and then suddenly when say things get a bit better, 
the market is going to be flooded with used cars, which will drive down the price um, of those cars, and they aren't going to do so well. So, I mean, I know that sounds downbeat, but I just feel that they are being too optimistic. But I don't know, what, what do you reckon? Yeah, I would agree. Also, some people decided to go with the second-hand cars mm. only because the new cars weren't available. Yeah. And that was because of shortages with um, raw materials and yeah. public productions due to COVID. Mm. So I think that the surge in buying second-hand cars is only temporary mm. and it won't really be happening for a very long time. Maybe yeah. till the end of the year, we'll see how the situation goes with uh, COVID and um, are there going to be any kind of restrictions? Uh, mm-hmm. Will we have problems with raw materials? Is there going yeah. to in international conflicts mm. but other than that I would say that it's just for this time and it will definitely change also um, when we looked at uh, share prices um, in the article you linked in Watson's Daily mm-hmm. only two out of five are actually rising and mm. so the majority is um, underperforming yeah um, so basically, even though it seemed like um, nice and positive for lookers, it doesn't really mean that the whole industry is doing so well. Mm. Um, mm. Also sharing that um, the industries which are having actual stores are doing much better than the online ones, as people mm. like to go and actually look at the cars before they buy yeah. them. It yeah. also reminds me of going to actual dealership. Yeah. Uh, so if those are actual trends, then it shows that people miss this experience. Mm. And probably as soon as it will go back to normal, mm. if so, they will prefer the new cars or just wait, as you said, mm. as it's not really the first thing we need. And some people prefer to stick with their old cars as we don't yeah. really know what are going to be the new restrictions like within the city, how yeah. clean the car has to be. Yeah, I think it yeah. might change a lot, especially now, mm. uh, as people had more time to sit in their homes and think more about what they're doing. Mm. So they might prefer maybe not complete EV, but maybe something which is really green and they think they're not doing too bad to the environment or yeah. even just public transport. Mm. And now in the summer, loads of people are going switch to cycling or mm. just walking. It mm-hmm. has been a big trend last year, especially in London, mm. how people decided to ditch the cars completely. Mm. And I think it is a good trend for the planet. So we'll see how it goes with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there we go. Um, we have, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll leave it there for today's podcast. Um, we have solved uh, a few of the... Uh, some of the world's issues uh, at the moment um and uh, yeah so um just to say um i well we won't be doing the podcast tomorrow um because i've said i'm uh, taking my eldest son into hospital for an operation so but we will be back again um the podcast will be back again um uh, subsequent to that um and uh, yeah just like to say thank you very much agatha for your uh, insight and thoughts um this so far this week 
Thank you so much. It no was problem. a pleasure being here. Not a problem, not a problem. And uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, all the listeners, for listening in. Um, and uh, like I say, actually, if you are subscribed to Watson's Daily, uh, again, I won't be doing tomorrow's edition because, like I said, this operation starts at 7.30 in the morning. So uh, I can't, I won't be able to do it. Uh, so anyway, thank you very much indeed. Have a great day. And uh, we'll be back again uh, very soon. Many thanks. Bye. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. (music) 
Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Agatha. How are you doing today? Hi, Peter. All good. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, So, which story did you find most interesting from today's Watson's Daily? Uh, So, today I wanted to talk about down. Yeah. And how will it affect the global trade in so many different aspects as Financial Times claimed. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely going on in different aspects. And Mm -hmm. first thing is that China actually still sticks to its zero COVID policy, where most of the countries already dropped it. Uh, Best example, Australia, which kept it really long, but then decided to ease it a little bit and more of a live with COVID kind of approach. So in China, they still control and they're trying to use suppression and they use all of the contact tracing, mass testing, quarantines Mm. for borders and lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, And they imposed it in Shanghai recently, even though they were 100% sure that it will never happen again and they won't allow it as they thought that it will have like too much of an impact. Yeah. Um, so it's, you can see like how fast, like how fast things are changing. Literally mm-hmm. 26th of March, we're not doing it. A week mm-hmm. later, 100% lockdown in Shanghai. Um, mm-hmm. so 
that shows like how much COVID has implication up to this day, even after two years. Like here, we're not really doing uh, lockdowns anymore. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of decided to live with COVID and mm -hmm. just accept it as it is, doing mm -hmm. just uh, personal quarantines. Um, so that's definitely a change uh, to hear that somewhere they're still in place. Mm -hmm. um, for second thing is that in Shanghai, they have almost 20,000 new cases daily. Mm -hmm. um, seems like a lot for a city, but then we're thinking it's a 26 million city. Mm -hmm. So is it actually that much to impose a full lockdown? Mm. Um, personally, I'm not so sure, but what if it's like still under tested and maybe they have way more cases than actually mm. 20,000? That, that is a possibility, especially with uh, China reporting. It might mm -hmm. actually be a case. Mm -hmm. um, so um, with uh, this in mind, uh, we have to see how actually it looks for local people. They're mm -hmm. not allowed to move whenever it's not a complete emergency. Yeah. There's no allowance for having deliveries. They're, they're just can't do anything mm. we've seen those like um scary photos from the first lockdown in yeah China where they yeah. actually like looted the door so people weren't even able to go out now yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. a fine situation and yeah. they're just getting uh penalties yeah um however still it is really enforced some people went like to prison because of the way how they treated lockdown and their repercussions so yeah uh, it is still really severe. Mm. Um, and with that, the opening Shanghai mm. might be again of a situation which already happened. Yeah. We see like um, China had its lockdown before and when it reopened, it was a mess, not only in China, but also in the outside world. They mm. tried to get all of those deliveries uh, out, all of the cargo transport, they weren't able to meet any deadlines and fulfill any contracts. Mm. Um, so maybe reopening Shanghai will be more problematic than actual state of affairs where we just have to wait mm. for some stuff because we accept it and try to look for other sources um, and where we can actually find uh, those raw materials and other stuff we're getting from China rather than thinking, is it going to happen next day? Because it's not looking like it. And the lockdown might be actually extended to the provinces which are next to Shanghai as they're working in this local system where actually if there's um, active tracing and people are getting infected by each other, the other provinces are getting under the lockdown as mm. well. Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing for it is how Shanghai is doing one of the most expert in the entire world, uh, especially um, with cargo and ship transport. Mm. The port of Shanghai is one, it's basically the biggest one in terms of uh, how much they actually convey yeah. uh, for over a decade. Now it's like 12 years when yeah. the top one leader mm. um, and it is really um, interesting to see how it is look, looking on a map of China because mm. uh, the port in Shanghai is um, located in the um, 
delta of Yangtze River and um, all of the transports from which are in from cities which are by the Yangtze River are going through it to Shanghai and all of those um, transportations are currently postponed or trying to go into alternative roads. Yeah. However, it's way more difficult and they're not able, they don't have that much capacity to actually mm-hmm. move it to those places, mm-hmm. which means that loads of things are postponed. And here we have to look at what exactly is postponed. Things like coal, metal ores, petroleum products, steel, mm-hmm. machinery and equipment. Mm-hmm. So many construction works are getting stopped not only in China, but outside. So even though in Europe, we're trying to have this approach like, oh, we're easing everything. Most of the countries are easing completely lockdown restriction in May or June. Mm. And now they're having almost none or just not severe ones. Mm. Won't be really going back with our full economy growth, which would be possible with that because we have to wait for certain raw materials and equipment from China. And there's no other country right now which would be able uh, to provide it. And uh, with that in mind, I would also like to link it with our current global problem uh, where we have um, Russian-Ukrainian war Mm -hmm. and China might have been the only country which actually is big enough would be and would be able to um, help Russia mm-hmm. with um, deliveries of different items and raw materials. Um, with their lockdowns and current situation, even though they might have thought that they will actually help, they can be stopped and mm. not really able to help them in any way, mm. which can put a conflict into perspective and some actions might be changed due to it. Mm. So I'd say that small, in theory, small lockdown of one city mm-hmm. will have a huge implication, not only like in this week or so, but I would say it's going to be over a longer period, probably till summer, because this whole suppression will take time to actually go back to normal measures. Mm. I mean, I think I agree with you there. I mean, I, you know, I think you've made a lot of excellent points there. Um, I think we'll just take the most recent one first. I mean, when we, we've seen um, what happens when ports are disrupted, um, most, re- you know, so, I mean, there was the, obviously there was the, the Suez blockage, which God seems like 10 years ago now, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, and the problem was, with that was it meant that um you know the wrong ships were in the wrong place and the wrong stuff was in the wrong place and it took ages for it to actually although that blockage went on for about a week um it took months for it to get back to normal again so clearly we don't know at the moment uh, we 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 don't realize at the moment um what is actually going on um in terms of um uh we you know we don't know we don't know what's what the case is going to be in future uh about this um even the obstruction last year which was like just like a few days i think it was like just under a week Mm -hmm. 
it had like a severe com uh, com um, consequences. Yeah. Like the blockage of Suez Canal when the ship was slightly <laughs> moved to a side and didn't mm. fit into it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's the thing. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. So, um, you know, there's this blockade. If it goes on for a very long time, that will have very serious implications. The other thing as well is I do think that with, with regard to Shanghai, um, obviously, yes, the world's biggest port. Um, also, China is, I guess, um, you know, fr um, Russia's best friend at the moment. And although, obviously, China is supporting um, uh, Russia, you know, generally, um, in, a, in a way, you could say that this, what this might do, uh, depending on how much stuff they they get from Shanghai to um, uh, to Russia, um, is that this is in effect a, a, a kind of sanction, really? You know, because obviously lots of um, companies and governments are cutting uh, uh, Russia out of things. Uh, in effect, this, the effect of this, although this isn't a sanction in itself. The effect of it could be quite, you know, similarly or similarly disruptive. So, um, it, you know, I think it will have implications on Russia. Um, I think that it will have, but it will have much broader implications as well. And I don't think that we're going to know that and for the, until another week or so, because I don't know how, you know, where everything is and if it's if it's across the board, all the stuff that is stuck there, um, or whether it's say specific types of machinery or something like that but you know i mean it's not great um the other thing as well is it really does sound really serious i mean but this, this is the thing isn't it i mean people companies are asking their staff to stay in their uh offices so they're sleeping in their offices um i mean this is extreme you know extreme stuff um and uh, this is the worst covid outbreak um since the initial one in wuhan so I mean, that, that's the thing. Just to put it into context, it is very serious. Plus, it will have um, global implications. At the moment, it seems to have local implications. But I would argue it will have implications on Russia. But also, ultimately, it will uh, on the rest of the world, especially if it goes on for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I would say not even long time, but if it goes for two weeks, three mm -hmm. weeks. Mm -hmm. That's really long time for a port to be blocked. Yeah, exactly. Especially, well, especially that one. <laughs> especially <laughs> yeah, that definitely. one. Yeah. So yes, but um, but there you go. So um, well, well I guess we'll move on to um the story I I'm um you know I I picked out for today, which is all about cars uh and in the UK and specifically secondhand cars. So um, it's really all about whether the you know, so the, the, I suppose the question here is, are uh, what is going to happen with car uh, used car prices? Because the story in here is talking about Lookers, which is a big car dealership in the UK. Mm -hmm. They are pointing out that the company has um, uh, so they, they've they've made up for all their losses uh, that they had in 2020. Um, they had records um, results last year. They are bullish about um, the prospects from now on. Uh, and they say that they feel that um, the lack of new cars is going to keep the prices of used cars supported. So they're quite relaxed about things going forward. Now, in my 
in my opinion, um, I think that they are like the um, uh, companies like TUI and uh, uh, airlines like Ryanair and things. I think they're being too optimistic about the prospects for the rest of the year. Um, the reason why is because I feel that um, is is that I feel that we're only just starting to pay these much higher prices for food, for energy bills, for all this kind of thing. So we're just starting to do it, and we're already thinking, "Oh, this is expensive. This hurts." Um, once you give that another three, four, five months. I think that the picture is going to look quite different and people are just going to be reigning in the spending. Um, and as a result of that, I think generally speaking, your, um, uh, your biggest out, uh, your biggest um, uh, outlays in terms of money tends to be property. And then it's car is, is the next, is usually the next thing for most people. And I think that, uh, I mean, a property you know, is you need that, and obviously everyone will spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, a vehicle is, if you've not already got one, obviously you you need one. But if you've already got one, I think that the, I really think that the temptation or the tendency here is going to be that people just keep their existing vehicle and keep it for longer. And I, I'm sure I've said this quite a, a few times recently that. My my fear on the car front is that people are going to go, well, I'd like to buy an electric vehicle. I don't think there are enough charges, so and they are expensive. So I'm thinking of I oh, will wait until they come become cheaper, and that when there are more charges. Mm -hmm. And so in the interim, I'm not going to buy anything else. I'm just going to stick with what I've got. And I think the risk there is is that people will stick with with what they've got there won't be that many cars going onto the onto the market and then suddenly when say things get a bit better the market is going to be flooded with used cars which will drive down the price um of those cars and they aren't going to do so well so i mean i know that sounds downbeat but i just feel that they are being too optimistic but i don't know what, what do you reckon yeah i would agree also some people decided to go with the second-hand cars only mm. because the new cars weren't available. Yeah. And that was because of shortages with um, raw materials and yeah. stopping productions due to COVID. Mm. So I think that the surge in buying second-hand cars is only temporary mm. and it won't really be happening for a very long time. Maybe yeah. till the end of the year, we'll see how the situation goes with uh, COVID and um, are there going to be any kind of restrictions? Uh, mm -hmm. Will we have problems with raw materials? Is there going yeah. to be collation in international conflicts? Mm. But other than that, I would say that it's just for this time and it will definitely change. Also, um, when we looked at uh, share prices um, in the article you linked in Watson's Daily, mm -hmm. only two out of five are actually rising and mm. so the majority is um, underperforming. Yeah. Um, so basically, even though it seemed like um, nice and positive for lookers, it doesn't really mean that the whole industry is doing so well. Mm. Um, mm. Also sharing that um, 
the industries which are having actual stores are doing much better than the online ones as people mm. like to go and actually look at the cars before they buy yeah. them it yeah. also reminds me of going to actual dealership yeah uh, so if those are actual trends then it shows that people miss this experience mm. and probably as soon as it will go back to normal Mm. If so, they will prefer the new cars or just wait, as you said, mm. as it's not really the first thing we need. And some people prefer to stick with their old cars as we don't mm. really know what are going to be the new restrictions like within the city, how yeah. clean the car has to be. Yeah, I think yeah. it might change a lot, especially now, mm. uh, as people had more time to sit in their homes and think more about what they're doing. Mm. So they might prefer maybe not complete EV, but maybe something which is really green and they think they're not doing too bad to the environment or yeah. even just public transport. Mm. And now in the summer, loads of people are going switch to cycling or mm. just walking. It mm -hmm. has been a big trend last year, especially in London, mm. how people decided to ditch the cars completely. And I think it is a good trend for the planet. So we'll see how it goes with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there we go. Um, we have, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll leave it there for today's podcast. Um, we have solved uh, a few of uh, some of the world's issues uh, at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, just to say, um, I well, we won't be doing the podcast tomorrow because um, I've said I'm uh, taking my eldest son into hospital for an operation. So, but we will be back again. Uh, the podcast will be back again um, uh, subsequent to that. Um, and uh, yeah, just like to say thank you very much, Agatha, for your uh, insight and thoughts um, this so far this week. Thank you so much. It no was problem. a pleasure being here. Not a problem, not a problem. And uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, all the listeners, for listening in. Um, and uh, like I say, actually, if you are a subscriber to Watson's Daily, uh, again, I won't be doing tomorrow's edition because, like I said, this operation starts at 7.30 in the morning. So uh, I can't, I won't be able to do it. Uh, so anyway, thank you very much indeed. Have a great day. And uh, we'll be back again uh, very soon. Many thanks. Bye. Bye. Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador.
there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday, the 7th of April. Today, I'm joined by Agatha Domanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. 